Welcome to another episode of Teachers in the Dungeon. Join hosts Tom and Dan as they break down the campaigns they create and play, sharing memorable successes and unforgettable failures of players and the DM, as well as discussing a variety of D&D-related topics. So, grab your dice and grab some fun. It's time for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yo, ho, ho, it's time to go. Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom with Dan, and we are the Teachers in the Dungeon. We're so happy you've joined us today, and thank you for your support. Be sure to let us know what you think about today's show. Our contact information and social media are in the show notes. Okay, let's delve into the dungeon. So I want to start today's show by saying thank you to everyone who's been listening and giving us feedback, both through email and on uh, the social media platforms. We are on Twitter and Instagram, and all of your feedback is, has been wonderful, gives us ideas of ways to make the show a little bit better. Keep it coming. We would love to have emails from you, what your thoughts are, if there's random encounter topics that you want uh, discussed, if you have some question about one of the adventures or one of the sessions that we describe or feedback about the gameplay. Let us know that as well. We really appreciate your feedback. The listenership and feedback has been wonderful. So thank you. It's been a great start for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, I'm about as far from a I mean I'm, I'm a numbers nerd, which I shouldn't be because I teach social <laughs> studies, but I've been checking our our little stats every day on Anchor to see how many people are watching. So we even have somebody from Germany that excellent that uh, was kind of cool to see. So yeah, yeah, you're listening again, uh, willkommen. I think that's oh, that might be Swedish. I don't know what this. Is. <laughs> Maybe I'll get I'll get corrected here possibly. But uh, oh. oh yeah, I should have I should have planned ahead and uh, come up with a German phrase. Sorry about that. I'll do better <laughs> next time. Well. But, Continue to share the show with your friends on, uh, you know, the friends that you play at the table with or others that you know are in the community. We love to build this community as we go forward. Well, today's show is another random encounter, and uh, we've been talking about uh, just sort of outside of the game. We've been talking about different resources that we like to use as DMs and as players. But today, I think our focus is more as uh, DMs. And so we decided our show today is going to be about is we're going to count down our top three non-Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons resources. So these are things that are not by uh, by the Dungeons and Dragons crew, um, like third, third party, third party or otherwise. So um, I guess without any uh, further delay, Dan, do you want to start with your uh, number three? Sure. And I'll just say this is this is things I stumbled across trying to learn how to play. Yes. And so I, I'm sure there are lots of things out there, but these are things that, these are our websites or, or sources that stuck with me because they were easy for me to get into quickly, find what I want. They're, they're written in a way that's, that's very engaging. 
Um, so anyway, number three for me is uh, it, it is a website. It is also a hardcover book that you can purchase. Uh, the Monsters Know by oh. a guy named Keith Ammon, A-M-M-A-N. He's got a searchable website where he... It's, it's really fascinating. I'm very impressed with what he has done. He'll look into a monster's stats in the monster manual or volos or wherever he finds it, and he'll think through, given those stats, how would this monster fight? Mm. And so he'll describe, well, this you know very high constitution, very high strength. This monster is just going to rush forward and just try to beat the crud out of you. This monster has got a very low con, but it's high intelligence or high dexterity. He's a sniper. If he doesn't kill you in the first two rounds, he's probably going to get out of there. And it's done in a very lighthearted, just enjoyable... I, I appreciated the pros anyway. Mm-hmm. It's very, very humorous at the same time as providing a lot of really good... A uh, lot of good content information as a DM to know how to, how to use these monsters. And in yeah. one of our upcoming episodes, you'll see I did uh, I did run a monster to the letter how Keith Ammon suggested I should, and I just about killed every one of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Keith. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's cool. And I'll say Keith Ammon will probably come up again in this uh, list somewhere <laughs> along the way, but... One thing that I think about when I think of that that book that you're talking about, the monsters, what is it? The monsters. The monsters know. The monsters monster, know what they're doing. The monsters know what they're doing. Is it takes me back to the first days of playing Dungeons and Dragons with me and my friends when we were in grade school, middle school, and it was just a fight. I mean, everything fought to the death. Every monster, every. I mean, even as characters, we just no one ever ran. Right. And so this book kind of kind of resets that uh, thinking and uh, and really makes give, gives us in any way as DMs a way to take a monster, you know, a monster. And sometimes we forget monsters do have brains <laughs> and they strategize. They have, you know, they have families too, right? <laughs> so, I yeah, I think that's a really cool book. That's, yes, I think it definitely deepens the experience for players because you... You can't assume anything about the way the monsters are going to behave. Right. So, well, good choice. That's a good start. If that's your number three, I can't wait to see what your number (laughs) one and two are. That's a heavy hitter right there. That's a great book. Um, So my number three is, uh, it's a really sort of a one-shot thing, but I use it all the time. And that is, it is a, it's on the web. It is a website called fantasynamegenerators.com. Oh, nice. And we will put we will put these websites that we talk about in a show notes so you don't have to go scrambling for a post-it note in a in a uh, pencil or a pen. But uh, this I, I struggle. We've talked about this uh, before. I struggle with names sometimes. I, I just this is my go-to website for name generators. I love when you get there, you can choose, they give you a choice. Um, you know, do you need fantasy names? Do you need real names, pop culture, places, descriptions, things like that. And you just click into that and then it takes you into, so for example, I'm going to kind of walk us through this right now. In fact, I just clicked on fantasy. And so it gives me, uh, lots of different choices to choose from with this. 
And it gets down to a point where I can choose dwarf, dwarf male, dwarf female, um, tieflings, uh, all sorts of different types of characters. And they, when you, when you do the name generator, it will then give you about six names of that gen, that cl- that race and gender. Okay. And then if none of those resonate with you, you can hit like a reshuffle button and then it gives you six more. And usually it's not just an expansion of the first six. It's a whole new set of names that are halfling names. And it goes through a whole bunch of different variations of names. And so it's a quick, it's a quick website to use easy. I keep it uh, pinned in my uh, Google browser when we play. And if I need something really fast, I can just go right to that name generator if I'm on top of my game and I've got it all set up. Um, But it's just, I don't know, you're super good at because of your languages background at coming up with names pretty easily and pretty quickly me not so much (laughs) and so instead of coming up with another guy named bob or harry or tom or jerry (laughs) then i you know use this name generator to try to give at least some i don't know some authenticity to the npcs that you guys are facing so the fantasy name generator is my number three we ought to do a whole other random encounter on names <laughs> i think there's enough there i was gonna i was going to uh, that'd be a teaser because there were some things i was going to bring up just as a tangent now but i don't think i want to do that because oh, okay uh, we could save that for because there are there are there's there's i'm sure i'm sure there's more than one school of thought about sure how to name characters and i've my own view has has evolved a little bit over oh. time purposes and for naming and that sort of okay. thing. Okay. I mean, time. I mean, yeah, that would be fun to have a conversation about names because there was a, I had a friend who had a really unique way of coming up with names that I, I still use today sometimes when I don't have the name generator at hand. So yeah, I'll, I will keep that button uh, okay. tight as well. And we'll come back to names as another random encounter sometime in the near future. So with all that said, what is your number two? So my number two, I struggled with this, um, and in many ways, I, I, I'll I'll say it this way: my number one is number one because of its ease of use. Okay. So number two is one that's becoming well known, I think, throughout D and D land, and that is the Dungeon Dudes. Oh yes becoming, as I said, becoming very well known. There are a couple of Canadian guys, Monty and Kelly, who have a YouTube channel. They've also branched out into, use that as a basis for podcasts. So you can Mm -hmm. find them on all the major platforms and they're growing like crazy. They've been doing this for probably three or four years, I think now. Yeah. And they have weekly, or maybe it's bi-weekly now, YouTube videos covering some aspect of the game. So they, they, their tutorials, suggestions, and they run the gamut. They'll, they'll talk through, you know, subclasses and how to optimize. They'll talk through, if you're a DM, how do you create a village? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, top five best things to do if you're a player, all sorts of things. But what really hooked me in is they do run a campaign based on a homebrew world called Drakenheim. That is now a kick. Actually, the Kickstarter's done, but they are producing a a hardcover book right. for this, and it was funded within five minutes. They <laughs> they they have an unbelievable following. But 
for myself as a DM, I really enjoyed watching their campaigns. They have two other friends with them, um, Jill and Joe. And so Monty is the DM, the other three play. And they are so... They, they, they're so accessible as players. On the one hand, they, it just is a really fun game to watch. They are very entertaining, but it also feels real. You know, and not to knock Critical Role or any of those, right. but those those present a level that mere mortals can't aspire to. <laughs> it's so polished <laughs> and so professional. Yeah, and you know, you've got a, a DM that just effortlessly switches into sixteen different voices and all that, which is fun to watch, but <laughs> yes. a little bit. Intimidating too. Dungeon dudes are very skilled, and they make it look easy. Mm-hmm. They they just they just roll through these these adventures. And so, as I watch, I get I get a lot of ideas as a player, as a DM, skillful ways to make the games more fun. So the only reason they're not number one is I find I actually find I get the most use out of watching their play, but that's that's a heavy time investment. Yeah, I you you uh, gave me their names about maybe a year and a half ago, um, maybe longer than that. But uh, I started listening to the show, and there, yeah, Monty is amazing at his storytelling, his world building, mm-hmm. and just yes. so many things there uh, to inspire you because he brings he pulls things. I mean, he uses Modrons. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which, I, looking in the D- Dungeon Master's Guide, I never, I, I, I'm always like, these are weird. Who would ever? Well, Monty found a way to make sense of yes. how you would use Modrons, and it's it's fascinating. But it has to do with binary, in case you're wondering. It, yes, <laughs> and um, but definitely you want to listen to the show, uh, and that's on, that's Dungeons and Drakenheim. That's their first adventure. Yes, their first um, series. Yes, but, but then I started discovering their YouTube channel that you were talking about, and... And yeah, they, they really go do deep some deep dives into character classes and like um, choosing the best spells for something and whatnot. I can't believe I didn't think of them as one of my yeah. top three non wizards resources because they are they are a great resource. As I'm sure there are many others, but just they they, they were accessible. They're easy to find, and like you said, they're. They, they make it feel like you could do what they do, but there's a lot of talent there yeah. um, and a lot of work, but they don't put it into a production that seems, like you said, unattainable. So, And one last little detail sure. about the role play from Joe. When I first started watching, when I think it was the very first episode of their gameplay, it was just this epiphany moment for me, although it took him a while to figure it out. They're walking along, they're not doing anything, and Monty says, you see a dead horse by the side of the road. Yeah. And Joe says, okay, I, uh, I kick it. <laughs> and, and I, you know, as a new player, new DM, everything, I was still sort of trained in the traditional, you know, you do things that advance your goal of winning the game. I hadn't mm-hmm. realized it, no, you build character you build the world you build the relationships and that one little thing it took a while but when he did that it kind of made me realize oh there's more to this game it's you know it's about all those other things so that was the littlest thing but it had a big impact yeah you know and and their name they're named the Dungeon Dudes. Yes Garrison Keillor storyteller uh always told a story about um he and his buddies created this 
band and they were called the Pharaohs of Rhythm. And he said, our name just spoke success. The Dungeon <laughs> Dudes does the same thing for me. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. It just it sounds genius. The Dungeon Dudes. Yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. Our, what's, your, what's your number two? Yeah, my number two. Let's talk about Keith Ammon some more because mm. my number two is a Keith Ammon book. Um, Monsters, the the one that you talked about, the Monsters Know, and now I've forgotten <laughs> the title, full title of it again. Know what they're doing. The Monsters Know What They're Doing. That is very uh, DM-centric. And the book that I want to talk about by uh, Keith Ammon is his player-centric one, but as a DM, I like it. Um, because of some of the things it talks about in there. And, and this book is called Live to Tale the Tale, Combat Tactics for Player Characters. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to take a play, I'm going to take a play out of the player's book here because Keith Ammon talks about um, combat tactics in this. And he talks about it from the player's point of view, but I think it's very relatable as a DM as well. Because as we mentioned from his other book, the monsters have brains. At least most of them do. I mean, some of them have very low intelligence or wisdom, but... But most of them, you know, when we're talking bugbears and orcs, they're not complete idiots. And they do have right. a sense of mora- a mortality. Yes. And so they're going to strategize as much as the player characters. It may be a little more flawed, but that's what role play is all about. And so he, this, the second half of the, the very, the first half of this book, Live to Tell the Tale, is very player centric. Um, you figure out different ways to build your party and to maximize different play types, like from the tank to the support character to the to the spellcaster and all that. But the second half of this book, in fact, it might be a little bit more than the second half, is of is combat related, and uh, and he breaks down I think about five different levels of combat. So you have the first level of combat, uh, I think third level combat, sixth level combat, and then it gets up into like epic character uh, combat scenarios. And he just breaks it down into this is how like players that are paying attention to who's at the table, what is what is available to them, how they would play that. And so on the DM side of it, I read that with actually both filters on. I read it as a player, but then I also read it as a DM so that I could anticipate what my players might be doing, especially if they were very aware that Hmm, our rogue has these skills and our our sorcerer has these spells so then i can kind of anticipate what the players are going to do um not in a cheating manner because as dms we never do that (laughs) but you know if if there are things that the monsters or a villain would know about the party certainly they'll try to take advantage of that especially if it's like recurring uh villain you know the recurring villains they learn they'll learn from the last one what spells your wizard has and so they'll try to counter those spells but Live to Tell the Tale is, like you said, it's a great read. It's, it's, it's fun. He's light. But he's very procedural in his writing. He doesn't get super flowery. He keeps it really bare bones so that you're not wasting a lot of time getting through a bunch of prose. You're getting down into the nit- nitty-gritty of Dungeons & Dragons and play. Now, that's a pretty rare skill to be able to write like that. that yeah. You are funny but still to the point and mm-hmm. useful. So, right. yeah, he's, he's very enjoyable. So before we move on to our number one, should we take a break here? Yes. Let's uh, let's take a what? What do you want? You want a short rest or a long rest? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't taken any damage yet, so I only need a short one. All right, we're going to take a short rest here, and we will be right back.
We are back in the dungeon, and we are talking about our top three non-Wizards of the Coast Dungeons & Dragons resources. My top two were the name generator and uh, Keith Ammon's book, Live to Tell the Tale. And Dan, your, your three and two were? Uh, Monsters Know by Keith Ammon also, and then uh, the Dungeon Dudes suite of resources available on YouTube. Yes, quite, quite, quite extensive. So we are ready to talk about our number one resource that is not a Wizards of the Coast. What is your number one resource? So for me, this comes down to something I can get in, get out, you know, get the information I need, get out. And I stumbled across it as a player um, getting ready to level up. And after a while, you get into it and you think, yeah, but what's the best thing to choose? Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't be like that. I am drifting more toward, okay, what would, my, what would this character actually do, mm. you know, re- regardless of whether it, it's the best decision from a tactical sure. standpoint or strategic standpoint. Um, but anyway, just, just searching online, I stumbled across this website called rpgbot.net. Okay. And it's a very extensive. D&D is just one section of it. And essentially what this, this website has done, it may be just one individual. I'm not exactly sure. But they go through and they, they do what other... I mean, it's, Dungeon Dudes do this where they pick, okay, here's your best spells if you're going to be a druid, or here's your best uh, subclasses. You see rankings like that all over the place. Mm-hmm. But this puts it in a nice, easy compendium that's searchable, and so you can look up, you know, find your class bard or whatever, see the list of spells, and they're color-coded to tell you overall, in general, which ones are the most useful down to least useful. Okay. So they are color-coded from red being bad through orange, green, and blue. And I have to admit, the first thing that I notice is to be disappointed with myself when I look at the choices <laughs> I made before I got this website <laughs> and see all of the... I didn't do too terrible, but I, you know, hardly any blues. I got mainly greens and oranges okay. um, that I thought would be more useful than they were. But but anyway, that is... It is it's a nice uh, explanation, and it doesn't just color code. It gives you, here's why. So right. obviously you're free to disagree or think, well, I've got a character that I think is going to be in this specific situation, so maybe they that doesn't work. And they, they kind of will say, you know, with a spell that's lower down the list, can be useful, but it's highly situational. You can't, sure, you can't broaden it, its usefulness. Mm-hmm. And they do that also with the subclasses and everything. So with the fighter I'm playing, again, I was a little late to the party. I chose, I, I made him a battle master and chose the maneuvers for him and then went in and checked. I'm like, oh! dang it I did not pick the blue ones I picked the green ones why do I always do this oh um, but but I did comfort myself that well given his character mm-hmm. and his the the general personality of this one this is what he would have chosen sure. to focus on but but anyway it's my most useful it's my number one because it is so useful all right well okay I like that drum roll for <laughs> Well, so I hope I don't disappoint everybody with my number one resource that's non-Wizards uh, of the Coast because it's a super general one. And, um, and it gets I think it gets kind of a bad rap because this resource is often thought of as like a crafty resource or a place you go for room decoration or things like that. This but, is, I'm, I am very curious. But I find Pinterest 
to be a really useful resource for finding things for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, all the Dungeons and Dragons players on Pinterest are super, super sharing in the things that they have. And sometimes when I do a search on Dungeons and Dragons and Pinterest, I come across all sorts of like cool, unique things. Uh, so I'm, I'm scrolling through it right now. I'm looking for something in particular. So basically the way Pinterest works is you do a search for that for certain things. And when you find something, a post that you like, you can pin that post to a board that you've created. So as an example, I've created a Dungeons and Dragons board. And then when I search through my feed of Pinterest and I find things that come through as Dungeons and Dragons, I can just pin them into into a post so that now I just go to my Dungeons and Dragons pin and I can come here for inspiration. And that's really what it's it's meant to be for okay. in my huh. eyes. You may and have convinced me to join. I never have. Yeah, so. I and you know it's funny. I I I never thought that I'd want to do Pinterest, but the way I got into it is my daughter wanted to be on social media. She wanted to be on social media. And so I thought in the back of my head, where's the safest social media that, <laughs> that uh, I could give her? And But then she's also at the same time a crafty person. And so I let her join Pinterest. And I thought, well, I should probably join Pinterest too <laughs> to make sure I follow her and just keep track of, of what she's up to and the kinds of things. And so we have a common Pinterest board and all that. And I was just flipping through this and it, it had no, my my feed had no focus. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start putting some things in here. And so Dungeons and Dragons was one of them. I don't know. I put a lot of like work things on here, like, like things like growth mindset or education I put in. And, and then I started discovering like family ideas. People post things like here's some, you know, family night ideas that you could do that cost okay. you know, nothing. And so I create boards like that. And so this Dungeons and Dragons board that I've created, people, you know, share their creativity. So like I'm looking here and I just found, so the board, it's it's an image that appears to be painted or something, but it's it's an idea for a magic item called Splinter Arrows. And it's an uncommon item within a 60-foot cone. Choose four creatures and make range attacks against them. On a hit, each target suffers piercing damage equal to 1d6 plus your proficiency bonus and a dexterity modifier. And so this Splinter Arrow, you shoot it, but it goes off into a cone and you can choose four people within that cone, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is. Some of these things, I will say, you got to read them carefully and you you might want to buy. Some of them do get a little overpowered, but most of them are pretty reasonable. But they spark your they sp- creativity. And- that's exactly it. They spark yeah. creativity. I'm looking for the thing I, I really wanted to describe. So someone who has lots more artistic ability than I do, and it's taking a while because my board is full of so much stuff, People post images of characters, so you get some character ideas on here and kind of what your characters might look like. Well, what I'm looking for is someone took the idea of the packs. So I've got the Explorer's Pack. The, the, there's um, Dungeoneers the pack. Dungeoneer's Pack. And so they have art, an artistic rendition on a scroll of like what comes in your 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 adventurers pack and so they have a picture of the backpack of course but then they have all the items with an image there so i'm thinking like in in an instance like that when you've got newer characters or even kids that are playing you could print that out and say so you have an explorer's pack and hand them that document that has the picture of what's in there 
So, you know, a, a, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, even a high school kid would appreciate, I, I would appreciate I think that. So. It and I'm it, far yeah. from high school. And it just gives me an image of like, what is in that pack? And it keeps it uh, fresh in my mind of what kinds of things and how my, because how many times do we carry that adventurer's pack with us? And aside from the Pintons, a torch, tinderbox, what else do we use for I that yeah, adventure? I, can't think of the last I time never that remember. We, yeah. And so it's just kind of a visual representation. And I found all of those packs on, on Pinterest, along with, again, the magic items. I mean, there are maps on there. Um, but again, super, super inspirational when I flip through this. And, um, and sometimes when I'm just looking for something. There might have been a dagger that shows up in an adventure <laughs> that we'll talk about in the future that uh, came from uh, a Pinterest inspiration. Nice. So okay. it all makes um, sense now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is my number one um, non Wizards of the Coast uh, resource for as that does a DM. Sound cool. As a DM, yeah, it's a great inspirational piece and gives you lots of cool ideas. So we are curious. What are some of your favorite uh, non Wizards of the Coast? Um, uh, tools that you use? Is it something online? Is it another publisher? Um, I could have talked about two other publishers. Had we gone to a top five or 10, there would have been more publishers like uh, Keith Ammon's book. Um, and I was thinking when you were talking, I didn't say it at the time, but I'm sure we'll be talking about the Dungeon Dudes book when they when that comes out. Yes. We'll, we'll do kind of an unboxing or a cracking of the spine, shall we say, <laughs> of that book and uh, talk about that. So we are curious. What what do you like? What are I'll some say, tools? We'll have to investigate. If you guys give us some ideas, I'd like to. I'd like to know. I haven't had time to go as deeply into the internet as I would like on some of this stuff. So yeah, Absolutely. share with us, and we'll do a show on it. Absolutely. So once again, thanks for joining us today on Teachers of the Dungeon. And until next time, don't roll a one. That wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.